Yosef Mengele is your obstetrician? Abort! 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 I'm Joe Fulgham. There are dwarves that survived Auschwitz? They must have flown under the radar. I'm Kevin Leeson. Today, we cover the mangling of human rights. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda. Evil Dudes in History, our ongoing series with yet one more Nazi chapter. Oh! They seem to be heavily represented in the Evil Dudes and Dames in History series. This time, I've selected Dr. Joseph Mengele. Is it Joseph or Yosef? Mm, probably Yosef, but uh, I'm going to go with Joseph. But throughout the whole thing, I'm pretty much going to refer to him as Mengele. Mengele. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds more evil and than And it sounds Yosef. like mangling. Oh, a little bit, I yeah. I imagine he a might do bit. some mangling. Uh-huh. Might do some mangling like in this that. episode. I selected uh, the word experiment for word origin oh. from Latin experimentum. Rough. From ex meaning out of, plus oh. peritus meaning experienced and tested. Out of so, testing. Out of testing or mm-hmm. out of experience. Okay. Uh, the fear of suffering and disease is panthophobia. Okay, as, a, as opposed to panthrophobia, which is the fear of large, dark-furred, uh, anthropomorphic catmen. Yes, precisely. Thunder, thunder, uh, and of course, thunder, thunder, cats. Dr. Yosef Mengele is known as the angel of death for reasons He was will... an angel? Send oh, an beautiful angel. angel right now of death. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, he, uh, yeah, for reasons that will become apparent as we get into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Will the angel part be apparent? Or just the death part. Mostly they just the needed the part. of death, and they were like, there's an angel of death. Okay, do oh, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. That's right. The man of death was like already uh, taken. Joseph Mengele's father was founder of the Carl Mengele and Sons Company, producers of farm machinery. Joseph did well in school and went on to study medicine at Goethe University Frankfurt and philosophy at the University of Munich. At the time, Munich was the headquarters of the Nazi party, and in 1931, Mengele joined the Stahlhelm Bund der Fundsoldaten, a paramilitary organization that in 1934 was absorbed into the Nazis' Sturmabteilung, or the SA, also known as the Brown Shirts. The Brown Shirts. Okay, so he became a part of the Brown Shirts. He was a Brown Shirt. What part? What was his organization? The first one was the Stahlhelm Bund der Frundsoldaten. What is that? I think it means uh, something like uh, we're going to kick the Jews out of here we're and we're frontline soldiers. Steel think... Helmet League of Front Soldiers. Yeah, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. A paramilitary organization. Yeah. Okay. In 1935, Mengele earned a PhD in anthropology from the University of Munich. In January 1937, at the Institute for Hereditary Biology and Racial Hygiene. Oh. Racial hygiene. Oh. He became assistant to Dr. Otmar Freiherr von Vorscheuer a scientist conducting genetics research with a particular interest in twins. Mengele Mm -hmm. focused on the genetic factors resulting in a cleft lip and palate, or cleft chin. His thesis on the subject earned him a cum laude doctorate in medicine in 1938. Did you say cum laude? Cum laude, yeah. Cum laude? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of his degrees would later be rescinded by the issuing universities. Oh. You know, once, you know. Well, he did the work. Yeah. Mm, He did work. But I don't know. I think they had a problem with his uh, methods. Okay. And possibly right? morality. 
uh, ethics. Yeah, ethics. Yeah, medical ethics, ethics is the word. You're right. Yeah, right? ethics. You know. You mean I can go get a degree in art and they can just take that away at any time? They can. T- I think it's on, like it's written in the fine print on the back. Okay. I think it's just based right there. You're pursuant to you not killing a bunch of people in concentration. Precisely. <laughs> Mengele joined the Nazi Party in 1937 and the Schutzstaffel mm. in 1938. He received basic. Schutzstaffel is the SS. Yes. He received basic training in 1938 with the. Jagger, <laughs> yeah. mountain infantry. Mm-hmm. Oh, not it has nothing to do with Jagermeister. Uh, well, Jagger means a uh, hunt master. Okay, and so Jagger is hunt. Oh. So Gebirg is probably mountain. Yeah, maybe, mountain, maybe, hunters. mountain hunters. Maybe in, yeah. infantry is mm-hmm. uh, the hunting party. Yep. And was called up for service in June 1940. He soon volunteered for medical service in the combat arm of the SS, where he served with the rank of SS. Untersturmführer. Oh, that sounds very important. Second lieutenant. Okay, all right. Translation. It sounds much more important in German, doesn't it? Ranks sound very important. Lots of things sound really impressive in German. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like Schmetterling. (laughs) What does that mean? The common butterfly. Oh, of course. In a medical reserve battalion, that's where he served. He was next assigned to the SS Rasse und Siedlungsschaumtampft. Okay. What does that SS mean? Race and Resettlement Main Office. Oh, okay. again with the racial hygiene yep. stuff. <clears throat> Evaluating candidates for Germanization. Okay. Germanization. All right. All right. And that's, that's, that's making not when sure things that, germinate. Oh, I thought that was no. when you plants. Okay. No, it's it's just when you get covered in bratwurst and sauerkraut. Germanization? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when they have the, the, the teen Nazi awards. That would have been they, much they better. Dump, they dump sauerkraut <laughs> on your head instead of green slime. Yep. Welcome to Germany. Here's your lederhosen. Mm-hmm. Germanization refers to the spread of the German language, people, and culture. The policy in the Nazi period was explicitly ethno-racial rather than nationalist, right. aiming for the spread of a biologically superior Aryan race rather right. than that of the German nation. Right. right. Germanization began with the classification of people as defined on the Volkslist. I know what that means. That means people's list. Yep. People, people, people paper. Yeah. And treated according to their categorization. Mm-hmm. Adults who were selected for Germanization but resisted were typically executed. So, hold what? on a second. Yeah. So, so, so the theory is, oh, that person is a perfect German. Yeah. They are the ideal of the Aryan race. He's got mm-hmm. the blue eyes, the We want hair. more of that. So we're going to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, you're a perfect German. We're going to, like, you know, really promote you and help you out and move you up the ranks and make you hump another perfect German person. Yeah. Right? Like, no, I'm not interested. No, I'm not interested. Oh. Uh, yeah. You want to take him out of the, the gene pool. Seems make a lot of sense. Well, that means he's obviously genetically inferior because, oh, uh, because a he doesn't superior German would sign up to yeah. help his fellow yeah, people. Go, oh, this sounds like a fantastic idea. I am in. I'm in with both feet. In June 1941, Mengele was posted to the Ukraine, where he was awarded the Iron Cross Second Class for Distinction in Combat. Oh, okay. Uh, so he saw some fighting. On the Russian front, no less. Mm-hmm. In January 1942, he joined the 5th SS Panzer Division as a battalion medical officer. Mm-hmm. He rescued two German soldiers from a burning tank and was awarded the Iron Cross First Class as well as the Wound Badge in Black. So we know that he is capable of saving a life. <laughs> and the medal- a German life? Oh, I guess so. And the medal for the care of the German people. Mm-hmm. All right. He was seriously wounded in action near Rostov-on-Don mm-hmm. in mid-1942 and was declared unfit for further active service. 
After recovery, he was transferred to the Race and Resettlement Office in Berlin and resumed his association with von Verscher, who was at the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for Anthropology, Human Genetics, and Eugenics. That sounds like a made-up name for like an evil institute yeah. in a like a a, a a comedy movie. Anthropology, human genetics, and eugenics is basically like who is an actual good white person and who yeah. isn't. That's what it is. Yeah, it's and then the, you throw Kaiser yeah. Wilhelm in the front of it, and it yeah. sounds like a joke. It sounds like something somebody would make up to be the most yeah. evil German thing. That There's you could possibly no way think of. Germany could ever get that evil during the Nazi <laughs> realm. Oh, oh wait, oh, oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. Mengele was promoted to the rank of SS Hauptsturmführer, mm. Captain, oh. Captain, in April 1943. Oh, okay, all right. In 1943, Mengele applied for transfer to the concentration camp service, where he foresaw the opportunity to undertake genetic research on human subjects. Mm. See, this is one of those things where it feels like you have very few people volunteering for yeah. concentration camp yeah. service. Yep. That you would have very few people who would go, like, this sounds like the kind of thing that you would punish people with. It's like, you right. know, when he, if Hollywood's taught me anything, the worst thing you can do to a cop is give him a desk job. Right. Right? The worst thing you can do to a Nazi is send him to a concentration camp. Hogan's Heroes taught to, me that. To, to work there, you mean. Yeah, to work there, <laughs> not, exactly. Not to send him to the concentration yeah. camp. Yeah, yeah. Birkenau, originally intended to house slave laborers, was repurposed as a combination labor-slash-extermination camp. Right. Mm. Prisoners were transported by rail from all over German-occupied Europe. The SS would conduct selections. Uh -huh. Incoming Jews were segregated. Those deemed able to work were admitted into the camp. Those deemed unfit for labor were immediately killed in the gas chambers. Well, no messing around. No. Why waste any uh, supplies, any uh, rations or floor space? About three quarters of the incoming prisoners, including almost all children, women with small children, pregnant women, all the elderly, and any who an SS doctor deems not fit were selected to die. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mengele was on the team of doctors assigned to do selections and occasionally undertook this work even when he was not assigned to do so in well, hope of finding subjects job. for his experiments. <laughs> he does. That's why we're talking about Listen, him. Listen, any time that you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. That's right. That's right. right. You know, That's right. They, uh, you volunteer for concentration camp duty. Yeah. You volunteer to spend time on the ramp selecting people for death. Mm -hmm. mm. This is a... He's he's a very specific individual. Yeah, he was, no wonder there wasn't like a, a dozen angels of death. Mm, I wonder if he's right. like the angel of death. I mean, they put the in front of it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not like a angel of death. An angel. Of death. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was particularly interested in locating sets of twins. Right. In contrast to most of the doctors who viewed selections as one of their most stressful and horrible duties, Mengele undertook the task with a flamboyant air, often smiling or whistling a tune. <laughs> whistling a tune? What tune yep. would you whistle while you were selecting people for death? Whistle while you work. Oh, yeah, that's a jaunty tune, isn't it? Uh Gonna send you to the chamber. What about the Darth Vader theme? That would seem like more appropriate. Oh, the Imperial March. Yeah. To really set the tone for the people that you were sending to the gas chamber. Maybe he's trying to lighten their day before their days end forever. Mm -hmm. Unlike other doctors, Mengele would also send prisoners to the gas chamber for purely aesthetic reasons. Inmates with skin blemishes or small abscesses or old appendectomy scars. Oh, oh so you have your appendix fixed. Years to ago. the gas chamber with you. Yeah. Yeah. But he had to think about scars. I, I, I just wanted them to be weird. pure, maybe. Just yeah. like wholesome. Mm. Mm. Do you have any scars? Wait, who's got a scar? I got lots of scars. I got a few, but yeah. not many. Okay. I, got, I got scars. All right. 
Emo- not emotional ones, Tori. Not oh, emotional damn ones. It. Yeah, physical ones. Mengele was also capable of sudden bursts of extreme violence. Oh, imagine that. This is this is yeah. falling into the category of least surprising thing I might have heard so far. Right. Witnesses reported how one terrified mother did not want to be separated from her 13-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. That's, this is like the Magneto story all over again. Oh, yeah. it is. Oh, it yeah. is the origin story for Magneto right there at the beginning of uh, the first X-Men movie. Yep. Yeah. She bit and scratched the face of the SS man who tried to force her to her assigned line. Oh, damn. So Mengele drew his gun and shot both the woman and the child. Right. With the comment, away with this shit, he then sent all the people from her transport who had previously been selected for work and sent them to the gas chambers. Oh, oh. Oh, vengeful. Yeah. They should call him Vengela. The Vengela of death? Yeah. The, no, uh, Vengela. Oh, right. Vengela, Vengela, yeah. A Vengela, yeah. Another witness recalled an incident outside the women's barracks. Dr. Mengela spotted a woman who came a few seconds late to roll call. Oh. He ordered her to come forward, threw her to the floor, and stomped down on her chest with his boot. He started to whistle an aria from Madame Butterfly and held his foot there until the woman was dead. Uh, Madame Butterfly? Yeah. I don't know Madame Butterfly enough. Neither do I. No. But wait, isn't that the one about the the Asian, the guy who's sleeping with an Asian prostitute and finds out that that she is a man, not a woman? Madame Butterfly? I've never seen it. I, I assume it goes like this. That's oh, Madame Butterfly, yeah, right? That's, that's got to be whistling, yeah. good whistling. Madame Butterflyles. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes he would select inmates for extermination for seemingly capricious reasons. Ooh. He once drew a line on the wall of the children's block about five foot two inches from the floor. All those whose heads did not reach the line were sent to their deaths. Okay. He's just making up ways to like send people now. Yeah. Like he's just making up excuses. He's entertaining himself. Yeah, yeah. He's just like laying awake at night and trying to think of I need to kill X number of people tomorrow. What's how the- how am I gonna like weed it out of the yeah. crowd? Like how am I gonna figure it out? Yeah. Oh, everyone has to be a certain height this time. Yeah. This is like the worst roller coaster ever. <laughs> Must be this tall to not get executed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. None of the SS doctors would treat inmates directly, but instead supervised inmate doctors forced to work in the camp medical service. Yeah, of okay. course, because a good German can't touch a Jew. No. Yeah, that like actually medically treat a Jewish or gypsy or, you know, uh, uh, Slavic person, I mean, would make their hands forever unclean. They could never operate on anybody again. You might actually uh, discover that they're actually people. That would be a problem. Oh, I don't think that's his problem. No, not his. I don't his. think he has any problem in that. No, but I mean, I mean the other SS doctors is probably why uh, they didn't do it. Because it was like, we keep having them treat them, and they come back caring. You know, yeah, I can SS just imagine rules. the, uh, the there's Mengele, and there's all the other Nazis around him, and they're always just looking yeah. at him like, Going, like what the, the most fuck? Nazi out of all of us. Dude, what the fuck, man? <laughs> do you think they actually had that moment? No, they said it to each other, right? Yeah. They never said it to Mengele. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, beads of perspiration. <laughs> coming down their forehead. Yeah, I guess you do have to make up rules for SS doctors to the lowest common denominator. I mean, you need to make the rule for the pansiest of your anti-Semites and, you know, the weakest of will of your horrible, uh, right. you know, mass murderers. Right. Yeah, you, you can't make your rules for your top shelf angels of death because no one else will live up to the standard, right? Right. Hmm. And you also got to watch out for the people who are just doing it because they're working in Nazi Germany well, and know they can't speak up, so they might actually help them. I don't so know. I don't away. know if any of those people ever joined the SS. The SS was like going the extra mile. Right. Fair. Mm-hmm. They all got Fair. tattoos, for God's <laughs> sakes. 
When an outbreak of Noma, a gangrenous bacterial disease of the mouth and face, broke out in the Romani camp, Mengele initiated a study to determine the cause of the disease and develop a treatment. Mengele isolated the patients in a separate barrack and had several afflicted children killed so that their preserved heads and organs could be sent to the SS Medical Academy in Graz for study. The research was still ongoing when the Romani camp was liquidated and its remaining occupants killed in 1944. Oh, so let's figure out how to cure this thing that these people are suffering from an outbreak of... Uh, but before you get a chance to actually come up with the cure, yeah, you kill them all. Yeah, you're like, uh, oh, wouldn't it be hilarious if they were like driving the cure back to the camp, like as they were like liquid, the, the, and send then, them all to the chambers. And, like, and then we're, ah, I got the cure, guys. Huh? And then when oh. they got there, like, oh, already cured. <laughs> oh, already that's right. cured. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, nobody else is everything. The next final solution. In response to a typhus epidemic in the women's camp, Mengele cleared one block of 600 Jewish women and sent them to the gas chamber. Uh The building was then cleaned and disinfected, and the occupants of a neighboring block were bathed, deloused, and given new clothing before being moved into the clean block. The process was then repeated until all the barracks were disinfected. Mm. That is a way to cure typhus. Just kill anybody who has typhus. Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, or you could, you know find a cure well what they wanted to do was they needed to clean out the entire building but there were people in it and all of their buildings so they're like let's kill everybody in one of the buildings and then we can clean that one that's right and then we can clean people and put them into the clean building and then we'll have another empty building we can clean it is very clinical he does obviously have a scientific medical background if you don't actually treat the people like people i guess it could make sense right yeah yeah like if you think they're just like disease holders yeah, the vectors for disease. They're, they're That's little, all they're, yeah. they're rats. Similar disinfections were used for later epidemics of scarlet fever and other diseases, with, with all the sick prisoners being sent to the gas chambers. Mm. For his efforts, Mengele was awarded the War Merit Cross, second Ooh. class with swords, mm. and was promoted to first physician of the Birkenau subcamp. The War Merit Cross. Second class with swords. Uh, do you think you get that for killing people because the swords are like what you ran them through with? Right. Right, right. You know, and of course, you get a uh, in celebration. You have those little like plastic swords, and you're with holding the olive in your drink. Right, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that it's a it's a sword theme all night long. Well, I guess the gas chamber on a on a metal, um, you know, was maybe not quite the iconic. Uh, oh, okay. message! An actual little like, like lapel pin, yeah, like a, lapel a gas, with chamber a gas door chamber door on it, yeah. Yeah. or just like a a, 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 a canister like a, of Cyclone B. A bunch right. of skeletons falling out of the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Megula used Auschwitz as an opportunity to continue his anthropological studies and research on heredity, using inmates for human experimentation with no regard for the health or safety of the subjects. So he went from Birkenau to Auschwitz? Mm-hmm. They're connected. Oh, okay. Auschwitz-Birkenau is like, uh, you know, a single complex. Oh, I see. Right, right. But uh, uh, associated. I think it might even mean that Birkenau was like the women's camp or something. Uh, Mengele was particularly interested in identical twins, people with heterochromia iridum, eyes of two different colors. Oh, okay. Uh, dwarves and people with physical abnormalities. Right. Due to their importance to his studies. But didn't Me- they get rid of all the physical abnormalities when they, when they brought them in in the trains? Well, I think that when Mengele wasn't on the on the platform. Oh, okay. And he probably had like a, a flavor of the month, right? Right. Like th- he's he's really concerned with cleft palates this month. Right, okay. Right, so anybody with a cleft palate gets pulled out. Next month it's club foot or whatever, right? You know, he's probably like d- designed in his mind an experiment he can do on club footed people. So he's right. like keeping his eye peeled. Mm-hmm. for a handful of those. 
Uh, Mengele's research subjects were better fed and housed than other prisoners and temporarily safe from the gas chambers. He established a kindergarten for children that were the subjects of his experiments and even included a playground. When visiting his child subjects, he introduced himself as Uncle Mengele and offered them sweets. A former Auschwitz prison doctor said... He was capable of being so kind to the children, to have them become fond of him, to bring them sugar, to think of small details in their daily lives, and to do things we would genuinely admire. And then, next to that, the crematoria smoked, and these children, tomorrow or in a half hour, he is going to send them there. Well, that is where the anomaly lay. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think describing the story and hearing the word kindergarten, which means child garden. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In this context... It creeps me out for kindergartens for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. It's yes. a German word. It is a German word. It is a German word. This is where we grow all of our subjects. <laughs> the child garden. Yes, that's right. For the, And we will pluck them for the experiment. And then we will burn them. I, I wonder if they called the crematorium the kinder crematorium, where they specialize oh, in the children. The yeah. kindertorium? The, the kindertorium. Just make it like a little more cutesy. Oh, tonight, child, you're going to the kindertorium. Oh, well, mm. That's where we're going to play today. All of you into the kindertorium. Be sure to wear all your swimming suits. There's going to be a shower first. Dr. Miklos Nijitsli? was a Hungarian Jewish pathologist and was Mengele's most common assistant mm-hmm. and performed uh-huh. such duties as dissections and prepared specimens for shipment from the laboratory. Okay. Was he a prisoner that He was a prison a, yeah, he okay. was a prison doctor. He was a Jewish pathologist from Hungary. Okay, yeah. Uh, so he he factors into the story in a number of places. And a lot of the first person testimony that uh, is included in this is, comes from an account that he wrote shortly after the war like in like 1948 or something. Oh, like he that. got out. But, Spoiler alert. Some people did survive Auschwitz, in spite of what uh, you know. Some people may have been led to believe, but yeah, like a lot of the, he was pretty much his right hand in a lot of the experimental uh-huh. kind of labs and stuff like that. That's gotta suck. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of one of those sucking and not sucking things because yeah, you're well, like, I, I mean, it super, all sucks. I'm super valuable, yeah, right, because he always wants me to assist him, yeah. So as long as I don't look really Jewish, <laughs> as long as I don't or, say oy vey or get when an, something bad happens, or get an ap- appendectomy scar yeah. that he finds particularly distasteful or anything like that, maybe I can dodge bullets here. Literally dodge bullets. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, Mengele's twin research was in part intended to prove the supremacy of heredity over environment and thus bolster the Nazi premise of the superiority of the Aryan race. Mm -hmm. Others claim that the twin studies may also have been motivated by a desire to improve the reproduction rate of the German race by improving the chances of racially desirable people having twins. Oh, so he's like, okay. he was like kind of the earliest fertility doctor, right? You know how people take those like fertility drugs, yeah. they always end with like, uh, you know, octuplets or something like this. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not a, always, but often, yeah. Yeah, you know, you get a, like a lot of, you know, of uh, a, a womb with a view, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, uh, hmm. I want a baby. Well, you're, right. you're going to have five. You're going to have many babies. Yeah, you have I, more exactly. babies than you bargain for. I can see how his selling point is like, listen, I'm studying twins so that every good German has two children instead of one all the time. Every time. And that that'll be great. We'll have way more good Germans. That's right. Yeah, I get it. But imagine how creepy a country would be oh, yeah. where everybody was a twin. Everybody had a twin. <laughs> Ooh, does that it was, half, only half the like Star Wars clone evil, army. Though. Oh, because evil twin, good twin. Right, right. That's so, how it works. So you have a perfectly uh, yin-yang <laughs> 
<laughs> and then you have the Mengele at graduation letting all the ones with the goatees continue, and yes. the ones without the goatees go straight to the gas chamber. That's right. Oh. That's right. Experiments performed by Mengele on twins included unnecessary amputation of limbs. Now, unnecessary is a really relative term, isn't it? No, I, well, I can't argue with that. I, you don't <laughs> think you? necessary is non-relative? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, hey, listen. What if one of these kids came in and had four arms, right? You know, then mm, they still have three get left. Bumbling, getting in the way. Yeah, that's right. Knocking things over like a dog wagging its tail. <laughs> Precisely. Well, then that would be necessary, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. Intentionally infecting one twin with typhus or other diseases. Transfusing the blood of one twin into the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Interesting. Probably relatively safe. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as they were uh, the identical. Yeah. yeah. Identical would have the same blood type, right? Yeah. And then fraternal might not. I think he was think much more interested in identical yeah. than fraternal. Yeah. Many of the subjects died while undergoing a procedure, and even when they didn't, quite often once an experiment was over, the twins were killed and their bodies dissected. Nisley recalled one occasion where Mengele personally killed 14 twins in one night via a chloroform injection to the heart. Oh. If one twin died of a disease, Mengele instantly killed the other so that comparative post-mortem reports could be prepared. A right. witness described how Mengele sewed two Romani twins together back-to-back in an attempt to create conjoined twins, but they died of gangrene after several days of suffering. All right, I'm having my first fuck-this-guy moment. Mm-hmm. I just had my first one. I expect to have another before the day is through. Uh, what, makes me wonder how many twins he got to... altogether. What's that? It makes me wonder how many twins he got his hands on altogether. I think it was about 3,000. Holy shit. Yeah, I think okay. he got his hands on 3,000 twins. That was a lot was about of that. twins. Yeah. I want to know what it like. Okay. You inject a twin with typhus, then they die of typhus, then you kill and dissect both twins so you can see the, the, the diseased twin yeah. and the uh, identical non diseased twin side by side. Again, I understand. Makes, like, it's cruel and unusual, but makes I understand. total sense if you don't think they're people. That's right. I see the clinical application of this. Right. I'm having a hard time seeing the clinical application of sewing two people back to back just because they're twins to create a conjoined twin. He probably wanted to see if that was all it took. Now, I think he's just getting bored, Bad, right? Probably. He's just making shit up, yeah. right? He's just like, mm. You know, I haven't done much stitching lately. I'm just going oh, to have to do maybe, some practice. Maybe right. he wants to, like, you know, save the German uh, nation on pants. They don't have to make as many pants if, every, if, if they can start making conjoined twins. Oh, no, you know they what? They can put is. them in assembly line. They can have all the arms and heads and eyes they need. I but know then that just one it's pair of pants. It's very important in a war effort to save fabric for like parachutes and stuff yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't, need, you wouldn't need the backs of any shirts. You would automatically <laughs> you save like half of the fabric there you go. instantly. Yeah. So, and if he could, so, if he could uh, sew soldiers together like this in the future, then they could watch each other's backs. Oh, literally, oh, yeah. right? Well, they no. would only need one parachute. <laughs> oh, they they just have two watch fronts. Other's backs. Yeah, they just yeah. have two fronts. Yeah, well, but that's it. The perfectly defended foxhole at all there times. You go. There you go. Mm-hmm. One particular pair of gypsy twin boys of seven or eight both had symptoms in their joints that many believed at the time was an early indicator of tuberculosis. Mengele was convinced that the boys were tubercular. Mm-hmm. But various inmate doctors found no trace of that disease. Mengele was outraged and left the room. When he returned an hour later, Mengele said calmly, You are right, Sivasnasing? Yes, I dissected them. Mm. Nisli would later report that he witnessed Mengele shoot the two boys in the neck and that while they were still warm, began to examine them, lungs first, then each organ. There you go. 
So he doesn't want tuberculosis to get spread amongst the other children. Yeah. Everybody examines them, says, in spite of the fact that they have this symptom that we think is an early indicator of tuberculosis, they do not seem to have the disease in any way, shape, or form. So he figured, why mess around? Well, if he doesn't value their lives, if their lives have a zero value to him, mm-hmm. and the knowledge of if they have tuberculosis or not has more than zero, there you go. So the problem is he just he just has no value for human life. Mm-hmm. Or these human lives, anyway. Right. Uh, you, it's making a lot of sense. A twin who had been a subject of Mengele's experiments recalls the death of his brother. Dr. Mengele had always been more interested in Tibby. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Perhaps because he was the older twin. Perhaps he just had a cuter name. Yeah. Mengele said several operations... Mengele made several operations on Tibby. One surgery on his left spine left my brother paralyzed. He could not walk anymore. Oh, nice. Then they took out his sexual organs. Oh, after the fourth operation, I did not see Tibby anymore. Oh. I cannot tell you how I felt. Because they let him go. They sent him to that <laughs> farm upstate, right? I cannot He's tell you He's playing in a I field felt. without sexual organs or movable or walkable legs. It is impossible to put into words how I felt. They had taken away my father, my mother, my two older brothers, and now my twin. Uh, yeah. 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 Removing? No. A, what's the clinical application of removing of sexual organs? I guess, you know what, you just do it and see what happens. And you write down shit that happens after you take out somebody's sexual organs. Man gets sadder than before. Right, right. Oh, but slightly lighter on the scale. But slightly lighter Mm -hmm. on the scale. Mm -hmm. I barely use mine anyway. Well, probably in that that context. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Bengala also experimented regularly with eyes. Oh. Experiments which might include... Injecting chemicals into the eyes of living subjects in an attempt to turn dark eyes blue. Oh, what yeah. chemical would do that? Blue I dye? I don't know if he found any, actually. He probably tried a bunch of different First things. bleach and then blue dye. Right. Yep. Yep. When well, you... they're blue. You can't use them for seeing, <laughs> but they're blue. God, did you just think like, okay, if you, if they're, if this person is perfect Aryan in every other category, but they have like green eyes right. or brown eyes, like maybe we can just like, you know, blue eye it up. They, they could say in the 40s they didn't have contact lenses, right? And also, isn't it about no. heredit, heredity and less about, you know, It's the shoving. color of the muscle, I think, isn't it? Like the, of the, the muscle that opens know. and closes. Yeah, but I mean, your... if you inject someone with, if you make someone's eyes surgically blue, their child is not going to have blue eyes. Maybe he was just trying to just trying to impress the Fuhrer. Maybe, Maybe. this was just PR. Maybe. He's like, I don't right. want them to pull my funding. Oh, he's trying to, yeah, he's trying to make like Captain America. This is how the Red Skull got made. Yeah. Yeah, this is like the first step to the Red Skull. Yeah, yeah no. <clears throat> he's, uh, yeah, I think this is all PR. This is just, wouldn't it be great when the Fuhrer comes to do the camp inspection? I can show him I gave this guy blue eyes. all of these kids have blue eyes. He's going to be really impressed. Yep. Uh, he would also kill people with heterochromatic eyes, we discussed earlier, mm. so that the eyes could be removed and sent to Berlin for study. Right. One witness recounted how Mengele kept hundreds of human eyes pinned to his wall in his lab like a collection of butterflies. Yeah, but what if the heterochromatic eyes, what if one of them's blue? You want to save that one. Yeah, but he wants to find what? out why the other one's not. Yeah, that's what he would do, because he'd take the eyes out of the same person, yeah. one blue, one not blue, yeah. send him to Berlin for study, and they go, okay, here's the difference. 
Here's uh, now we know the difference. We know which chemical you need to inject to turn them blue. Mm-hmm. You know what the people in Berlin are doing? They're mm-hmm. getting all these eyeballs and like, great, more eyeballs from Josef Mengele. <laughs> Throw them in the trash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like uh, Mengele. Why don't you keep these walls pinned? Uh, these eyeballs pinned to your own wall. You yeah. Know? You, yeah, you keep them. We don't need them. Yeah, it's, it's good. We got enough eyeballs now. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, they're 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 like just sick and tired of around the labs. Like so many eyeballs. Oh my god! They won't like, stop staring at me. Yeah, yeah and, it's like this is the it's not the Pony Express. It's the eyeball express. You even don't even want to know what that twin's penis is doing in that box over there.
Mengele also sought out pregnant women on whom he would perform experiments before sending them to the gas chambers. Mm-hmm. One witness would later... Dis- that seems to be a familiar refrain on the end of most of these sentences. Yeah. Before he sent them to the gas chamber. Yeah. It's kind of how all of his sentences end, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the period should... on the end of his sentence is the gas chamber. Now, you know when we get a fortune cookie and for fun you oh, add yeah. in, bed in bed on the end of the yeah. whole thing? Mengele always added to the gas chamber at right. the end of all his fortune cookies. Oh, Saturday and Sunday will be very lucky for you on the way to the gas chamber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's when all the other SS doctors again roll their eyes. Yeah. And, and thank God they're not heterochromatic. One witness would later describe how Mangala delivered an infant from its mother's womb, then hurled it angrily into an oven because it wasn't twins as he had oh, hoped. Oh, boo. Oh, because she had like an extra big belly or I something. So. He's like, oh, oh. Twins, twins, this is going to be great. And then he's just like, oh, uh, garbage. Uh, uh, Human garbage. This one is just fat. <laughs> it's not twins, it's just a big old baby. Ruth Elias was a 19-year-old inmate who gave birth to a daughter at Auschwitz, and Mengele gave the order to bandage her breasts to prevent nursing. Okay. He wanted to do research. I don't know what to call it on how long a new one can live without food, is a quote about that. Short amount of time. Right, not a long amount of time. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. About a week after the birth, Mengele told Ruth to get ready to move from the barracks, and she assumed she was going to the gas chamber. A Jewish doctor suggested that Mengele might lose interest in Ruth if the baby was dead. Mm. She talked to me in an angel's voice, the doctor told me. Oh, not an angel of death voice, though. No, no, yeah. A different angel. Uh, an angel of uh, preventing the angel of death. Right, right. An angel of life voice. You are young and can live. Your child cannot live. She talked and talked and talked until I did it. I murdered my own child. And I wonder if Mengele was in the back going, try to convince her to kill her own child. See if you can do that. Oh, oh maybe. Wouldn't that be awful? Um, Ruth used an injection of morphine that the, that the Jewish doctor had given her to euthanize the infant. Mengele arrived the next morning. He didn't want me. He wanted the child, but he couldn't find the corpse among the pile of corpses outside oh, the barracks. Oh, what a problem. Yeah. I mean, we've all yeah. had that problem, this right? Is, this is you dead. lose your corpse baby. Amongst all the other corpse babies. You've dug your own pile of corpses. Yeah, now, now lying it. Lying yeah, it. precisely. Oh, oh, Mangula, you scamp. Because of your creating so many baby corpses, you can't get the one you want. Nazi world problems. <laughs> Gisela Pearl was a successful Jewish gynecologist in Romania before the Second World War and was even well known for innovative research into female reproduction. In 1944, she was transported to Auschwitz, where she was put to work in the infirmary. Okay. Upon her arrival as one of the new camp physicians, Mengele instructed Dr. Pearl to inform him of any pregnant women she discovered. He told her that he would send them to another camp for milk for better nutrition. Okay. The women were even taken away in Red Cross trucks, but Dr. Mengele's true intentions quickly became apparent. On the treatment of pregnant women, Dr. Pearl witnessed. They were surrounded by a group of SS men and women who amused themselves by giving these helpless creatures a taste of hell, after which death was a welcome friend. They were beaten with clubs and whips, torn by dogs, dragged around by their hair, and kicked in the stomach with heavy German boots. Then, when they collapsed, they were thrown into the crematory, alive. I decided that never again would there be a pregnant woman in Auschwitz. Uh, That's what Dr. Pearl said. That's Dr. Pearl. In spite, he really had a hate on for pregnant women. Yeah, like he almost treated pregnant women worse than like, Jewish. Uh, where's oh, but, the I science mean, in that? Pregnant Jewish women, even the worst. Yeah, the worst. Because he hated his mother. You know why? Because pregnant women are so needy. Right? They're all like uh, ice cream and pickles. This. 
swollen feet that right you know they're all just so wait on me hand and foot uh look at me i'm i've got a glow right and regular was just sick of it just sick of all their self-important bullshit this is what you learned from our pregnancy episode this is what i learned from our pregnancy episode yeah in spite of her objections as a doctor and an observant Jew, Dr. Pearl began performing abortions on the dirty floors and bunks of the barracks in Auschwitz's using only my dirty hands. Mm, okay. Without any medical instruments or anesthesia, Dr. Pearl estimated that she ended the lives of around 3,000 fetuses. Okay. okay. Mm. In some instances, the pregnancy was too far along to be able to perform oh. an abortion, and Dr. Pearl would break the amniotic sac and manually dilate the cervix to induce labor. Okay. In these cases, the premature infant would be born and die almost instantly. Right. Mm. Without the threat of their pregnancy being discovered, women were able to work without interruption, gaining them a reprieve right. from a death sentence. Okay. Yeah. So, Dr. Pearl. Yeah, yeah, I think I read something about her too. Like in the like years shortly after the war, she became this very controversial subject because. She, some people saw her as like a like a, in cahoots with the Germans to get rid of all these Jewish babies. And, right. You know, I, I think it's only in like decades afterwards she kind of her reputation sort of got you know reclaimed as that all these that she right. might have been trying to do good. But she, I think, you know, over over the years her her status like amongst survivors was up and down, up and down. Yeah. 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 Infants who are not aborted and not used for Mengele's experiments would also be killed using a variety of methods. Mm. Two of them, by pinching the newborn's nostrils so when it opened its mouth to breathe, they could give it a dose of a lethal product, uh -huh. mm -hmm. drowning it in a pail of whatever liquid was available. Mm. Pee. Mm. That's, that's, a, that's a lethal product, too, if you get too much of it. Pee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like if you submerged it until yeah. you can no longer breathe? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Most of the Jewish medical staff preferred these methods to watching the child inevitably starve to death. Right. Okay. All right. right. I mean, I guess if you're going to create a pile of baby corpses, right, you know, it, it's stretching the baby corpse process out over you right. know, days and weeks yeah. rather than yeah. minutes, uh, you know, this is a real lesser of two evil situation we got going on here. Uh, lesser of maybe all the evils. <laughs> My, uh, Megala's experiments on dwarfs and people with physical abnormalities included taking lengthy, repeated, and painful physical measurements, drawing blood. <laughs> I could use a ruler, but this one's got spikes on it. <laughs> extracting healthy teeth. Okay. Hate to have the healthy teeth hanging out with all those bad teeth. Well. You got to get the healthy teeth away from back. It's like uh, kids in the playground, right? Bad seeds, right? You got to get the good kids away from the bad kids. Yes. Take the healthy take teeth out. out take, of the teeth. Take the healthy yeah. teeth out, leave the bad ones in. Yeah, that's right. You got a bad tooth, it's got a cavity. If you don't take the healthy tooth out, that cavity's gonna spread yeah. to the healthy yeah. tooth. Put them in put them in this bowl over here. Yeah. These are the good teeth. These are good teeth. We're gonna keep <laughs> Push them, them good. Across the table. <laughs> when you need to eat, pick them up and mash your food with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then put it into your mouth. No, it's just like it's a big sack where they got all the teeth that's in right. it. Or you put your orange in there and shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. Don't it then chews. It chews your food for you. Yeah, yeah. Pre masticated. The chewing bag. Yeah. Or you you know what you can create? You can create like brass knuckles out of good teeth, right? You know, like Oh, he bit me. No, he just punched me with a bunch of teeth on his fist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, but that's how you can like frame somebody up with like forensic investigation. You punch somebody with a blast knuckles of teeth, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, yep. seven Jewish people bit that guy. But Call then, back to the perfect they... murder episode, <laughs> right? Go. But then you catch the guy and find out his teeth are not in his mouth. Yeah, no, dun, no, it's, dun. it's like seven molars from dun, like dun, eight dun, different dun, people, dun. right? 
treatment with unnecessary drugs and, and x-rays. Many of the victims were sent to the gas chambers after about two weeks of tests, and their skeletons were often sent to Berlin for further study. Sure. Uh, I got one specific story of the Ovitz family. Are we going to see the, the uh, Hollywood blockbuster of this starring Peter Dinklage? Uh, you would need seven Peter Dinklages. Oh, well, you can do that hey, with computers. Hey, CGI, yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> they can't do anything, about, uh, just about anything now. Hi-ho! <laughs> the Ovitz family from Transylvania, so they were vampires as well, mm. was the largest recorded family of dwarves. A dwarf father who sired ten children, seven of them turning out to be dwarves. Okay. Seven, seven dwarves. Seven dwarves. Who would have thought? Seven this dwarves. is where the story comes from, yes? Doubtful. Sure. No, I think it predate the Ovitz family. Oh, Snow White wait, was wait, wait. Snow yeah. White being asleep is actually from the gas chamber? <laughs> oh, it's a, oh no. Oh, it's oh, it was a pre oh, it was a precursor. It was a for, Walt Disney could see the future. The Ovitz clan's mother was determined to find her dwarf children a profession in which they could make a living and would be neither isolated nor ostracized. Uh-huh. As the five sisters and two brothers were all good-looking and musically gifted, they Maybe trained English. from early on for a career on the stage. Okay. They named their musical ensemble the Lilliput Troop. Of course. And for 15 years, flourished as entertainers all over Central Europe. Their two-hour show consisted of popular hits of the day, skits, and music. While the dwarves were on stage, the average height family members worked behind the curtains as stagehands and wardrobe mistresses. Oh, wow. Sure. Okay. It was the, well, they got to do something, too. Yeah, absolutely. These, these regular people. Yeah. yeah these losers. Average, these yeah, average. These uggos that you can't put on stage. Yeah, what are they? You can earn your living. Yeah, normies. <laughs> Uh, it was the only all Tollies, they call them Tollies. Tollies, yes, of course. Tall cans. Uh, it was the only all dwarf ensemble with a full show of their own in the history of entertainment. Oh, wow. When the Nazis came to power, the Ovitzes were doubly doomed. Uh-oh. Under the Action T4 euthanasia program, the Germans set out to kill any people who were physically or mentally disabled, whose lives were considered unworthy of living right. or a burden on society and as jews the ovitzes were also the target of the final solution oh where do we file these guys that is the problem right yeah do we euthanize them as unfit for society or do we kill them as jews and normally when we do this we cut people in half and send them to both the places but they're only half size oh yeah that's right the the blade will just go right over their heads (laughs) (laughs) on the 19th of may 1944 they were sent to auschwitz birkenau death camp on the ramp at Auschwitz, the seven dwarves and their five average-height family members were immediately separated and told to wait for the arrival of Mengele. On the night they arrived, Mengele was asleep in his room, and while a lone dwarf would not necessarily provide reason enough no. to knock on his door in the no, middle of the no, night, no. seven dwarves, along with their tall siblings, singing a jaunty tune, singing a jaunty tune seemed good cause for disturbance. Mengele hurried out to see the new acquisitions, oh, and he God. was delighted. Oh, God. I now have work for 20 years, he exclaimed. Oh, God. <laughs> All the little people were like, yes. I know they're wishing to each other, who's that guy? Oh, he's the angel of death. Oh, nice. Thank you. I'm pleased I came to his attention. Mengele had several hundred twins already at his disposal, but he had only one family of dwarves, so he was careful not to put his precious guinea pigs at risk. Oh, okay. He gave them special living quarters, and their oh. food portions were larger, although he had to be diligent to keep it that way. Oh. Perla Ovitz recounted how she and her family were once taken to the gas chamber in order to strip naked. Mm. It was almost dark, and we stood in what looked like a large washing room, waiting for something to happen. We looked up to the ceiling to see why the water was not coming. Suddenly, we smelled gas. We gasped heavily, some of us fainting on the floor. Minutes passed, or maybe just seconds. Then we heard an angry voice from outside. There is my dwarf family! (laughs) 
The door opened, oh. and we saw Dr. Mengele standing there. He ordered us to be carried out and had cold water poured on us to revive us. Yeah, that'll do it. The seven dwarves, as well as the rest of the entire family, all survived wow. Auschwitz oh, wow. and emigrated to Israel in May of 1949. The Lilliput troop would soon take back to the stage and collectively retired in 1955. Although some of them now had coughing problems. Dwarfism and Auschwitz did not affect their life expectancy, however. The firstborn daughter reaching the age of 98 and the youngest sister dying at age 91. Wow. Genetically. They were pretty much little wolverines. These, they couldn't be killed. <laughs> That is crazy. And uh, here we've got a picture of them. There you go. So the last one died in 2001. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just missed it. Well, by like 15 years. I want to see Peter Dinklage playing all of these characters. Oh. It should be oh. one of those ones, like a... like A, a real character piece. Yeah, he plays yeah, yeah. all the women and the men. It's basically yeah. time bandits. Yeah, like Eddie Murphy. <laughs> the story of the Ovitz family is basically time bandits. Time bandits. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's where they got the idea for time bandits. Don't touch that. It's concentrated evil. <laughs> That's Joseph, it's Joseph Mengele. It's Joseph Mengele. He's concentrated evil. Post-Auschwitz, as the Russian advance got noticeably closer to Auschwitz, with battles even being fought within earshot, Mengele transferred to Gross Rosen concentration camp on January 17, 1945. Mm-hmm. He brought along two boxes of specimens and records of his experiments, while most of the camp medical records were destroyed by the SS. Now, surprise, surprise. Mm. We're doing horrible, horrible things. The Russians are on our doorstep. Let's start burning paperwork. Yeah. Let's start, mm. uh, you know, uh, fighting. You know, they're lucky that they didn't have Instagram and Facebook back in the day, because I'm sure Mengele was probably super proud of what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been posting the shit out of that stuff. Oh, justice denied by lack of Facebook. Hashtag gas chamber. Oh, yeah. The Red Army captured Auschwitz on January 27th. Wait. Ten days later. They missed Mengele by ten days? Yep. (laughs) Mengele fled Gross Rosen on February 18th, and the Soviets arrived there only one week later. Curses. Oh, he's like... One step one ahead step of ahead. the Russians. Mengele traveled disguised as a Wehrmacht officer mm-hmm. and was taken prisoner of war by the Americans in June. Okay, all right. Mengele was initially registered under his own name, but what? because of allied disorganization mm-hmm. with respect to distribution of wanted lists and the fact that Mengele did not have the usual SS blood group tattoo, oh. right. he was not identified as being on the major war criminal list. Mengele was released at the end of July. What? And obtained false papers under the name Fritz Ullmann. They had him? They had him! Documents he later altered to read Fritz Holman. Uh, oh. Mm. Or Holman. Well, I'm sure he didn't have any appendectomy scars or abscesses. Including a trip to a Soviet-occupied area to recover his Auschwitz records. Okay. Back to the oh, scene of the crimes. Wait, wait. Auschwitz records is in like, uh, you know, uh, vinyl? Oh, 45s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the old 45s. What do you think uh, is on the Auschwitz record soundtrack? Oh, Ink Spots. I don't want to set the world on fire. Okay. I just want to shove you into I was gonna go the with... gas chamber. <clears throat> I was going to go with Amy Winehouse's rehab. I'm going to go with just people screaming. Ah, right, of course. Yeah, his Auschwitz records. God, let us out! Ah! No. So he, so he falls asleep, you know what? too. He just ripped off the Madam Butterfly soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Madam Butterfly, and in brackets, says, uh, to stomp chests by. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, Mengele found work as a farmhand. Worried that his capture would mean a trial and death sentence, he fled Germany on April 17th, 1949, assisted by a network of former SS, 
Mengele obtained a passport on the alias Helmut Gregor from the International Committee of the Red Cross, and he sailed to Argentina in July 1949. His wife refused to accompany him, and they uh, divorced in 1954. Now listen. He on, had a wife? Yeah. <laughs> Torture, murder, unethical medical experiments, twins, killing children, all fine. <laughs> Argentina, fuck you. <laughs> Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion to this episode of Caustic Soda. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson, held in a stress position after being deprived of sleep for 96 hours. To comment on episodes and for links and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Support the podcast by donating on our site or visit patreon.com slash causticsoda. Visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I'm Derek Weber. Thanks for listening. It's a good plan. Super good. Super good.